Hello, dear listeners. It's Pleasant. I created with my darling Rita Stevens, uh, who is our community leader in Thrive and in Lola, we created the seasonal soulful self-care guide for you. So what it is, is essentially some questions and some key areas for you to think about and consider and write down and map out for your own life each season. So go ahead and jump on the website, littleom.com, L-I-L-O-M-M.com, and pick up your copy of your seasonal soulful self-care guide uh, and enjoy. I can't wait to hear what practices and what rhythms and routines you set in your own life this season. Hi everyone, it's Pleasant. This is a social self-care session and today I have my dear friend Randy. Randy, say hello. Hello. <laughs> hello. And um, Randy, you are an amazing woman, a mama. I know you're an author and we could talk about that. Mm-hmm. Um, a speaker, a teacher, a mentor, a coach. I love how fully engaged in your life that you are. And when we met, um, I think we like, you know, there's certain people in your life you meet and you just like fall in love with their energy, like Mm -hmm. instantly, right? It was like a girl crush love affair. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was in a weird, weird weirdish container (laughs) where we met. So um, you're a parent coach. um, But I think you're so much more than that. Well, first of all, let me just say, um, I feel happy and validated right now because I thought the girl crush was just like one-sided. Um, <laughs> no way. Yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, thank goodness for Pleasance because I feel like I'm on an, on an aisle. You know, you guys, when you're somewhere and you just feel very other and I felt like I was on an island all by myself. And that I was just the super freak. And then all of a sudden there was Pleasance and I just was like, oh my God, I love you. You were like my life, you were my life raft. And um, so, yeah, thank you for saying it was mutual because I thought it was one-sided. No, I'm obsessed with, I mean, your questions and thoughtfulness and depth. And we both share this love of learning and love of growing And never, like, I don't think you'll ever hear either of us say, like, I know it all, or I'm the expert at blank, and sort Mm -hmm. of, like, then be done. And that's what's so awesome about being in each other's lives, I think, is, like, what are you studying? What are you learning? Who are you you learning from? Like, that part is so fun, you know? Mm. I love that about our relationship. It's so Um, great. And, and, you know, the funny thing that you say that about expert, I, um, I taught a workshop uh, probably a couple years ago. And I, and it was here, I live in Houston 
And it was just, it was like before I had, before I I was really just kind of like putting together little things and it was a workshop in my house and, um, and there was a bunch of air quote social influencers that were over because I was told that Mm -hmm. I needed to spread the word, to spread the word about my work. I needed to have all the mommy bloggers come out and learn about it. And so I put Mm. together a whole workshop and I was just like, let's just get together. You can ask me anything. I'll teach you everything I know. Let's get together. So I had this amazing experience and all these creative women came over and it was awesome. And one of the mommies who is a total social influencer here in Houston has a really awesome business. She was like, I didn't, she, afterwards, she was like, I didn't like when you refuse to refer to yourself as an expert. Like you need to own it. Mm. That's your Mm -hmm. credibility. And we kind of went back Mm -hmm. and forth. And because she was at that time, much further along in her business than I was, I was like, well, I guess you know these things, but first of all, calling myself an expert just sounds like not even humble bragging. It just sounds gross. (laughs) And, um, and I'm not an expert. Like what? I, I, I'm not an expert. All I can say is, is I want to, I know I have a recipe. I know I've been a mom for 20 years. I know I've taught these classes for a long time. I know that there's this recipe that I had to extract for my life and my household and share with other people. Does that make me an expert on your life and your family? I don't think so. And totally. Um, Anyway, so I kind of feel like maybe you're like the one person who would be in alignment with me on that, which is like, who, who can call themselves truly an expert? Okay. I don't even really know what that means. Like, what are those <laughs> credentials? First of all, this is like another way that we're so asinine in our society because we, it just means I'm better than you at something, which Ugh. is, again, I don't, don't even understand. And here's the deal though. I will say, internally being an expert versus externally being an expert. So like, Mm. do you have to put like parent coat or like parent expert or like life expert or Ayurvedic expert, like on a resume or on a speaking application? Sure. Why not? Because those people are looking for that. Mm -hmm. However, if you came up to me in a room and said, hi, I'm Randy, I'm a parent expert. I would like roll my eyes and walk away because (laughs) that's what I mean about the internal and external. So use it and own it. I think if that is feels like it's aligning with getting you what you need to get your message out there. Right. And Mm -hmm. on the, on the base level, be curious and interested about what other people are learning and evolving. You know, I'm a big fan of change. So, and transformation. So that, that constant flow of learning like how did you how did you become interested in parent coaching what led you to the work you're doing now and who are you primarily working with you know i mean i guess that's the thing is that number one i'm a rebel tendency so i mm-hmm. i'm i'm just not a traditional person i i don't ever follow a kind of an, a a traditional path um mm-hmm. i also you know i was a i was a sociology major in college and a women's studies minor. And you, which, you know, that was the big joke in my family that it really like set me up to do nothing. And, um, but that's exactly what I do now. I mean, I study patterns of people. I'm fascinated right. <laughs> by, yeah. by, by people and your story and figuring out where the puzzle pieces align and where they go together. And I'm so curious about people and, and the way we behave and the way we live our lives and the, 
rituals and programming that we bring forth without even realizing it. And when we decide to make a change because something isn't working for us and we are going through a transformation, how we can, you know, have a say in the matter on what's going to be the new pattern. Um, And so I'm fascinated by the brain and I'm fascinated by neuroscience because, um, because I've learned and I've, I've been my own guinea pig, which is, you know, I've learned that you get to reprogram yourself. Like the way we typically parent is our autopilot programming and we don't even think Mm -hmm. about it. You know, like, like back in the day, parenting wasn't even a verb. (laughs) And, and now it's this, you know, we, we have a choice in the matter of how we do things and how we raise our kids. And, and so even just Mm. thinking about, well, you know, a lot of people are like, I, I never thought about it. I just, I just, I mean, isn't it just instinctual? Don't you just do it? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, it's not that it's instinctual. It's that that's how you were programmed. And so that's what's in your brain. But if you really go back to when you were a kid and you think about the things that really didn't work for you and just, and made you angry or made you feel all alone or made you feel disconnected, um, like why would we repeat that same crap? Like, why wouldn't we do it differently? I mean, we now live in a day and age where we have just, I mean, more libraries than you could ever, you know, visit in a Mm -hmm. lifetime back 30 years ago. We have it at our fingertips. And that's why, like, for someone like me and you, I'm like, if I'm not learning, I'm not growing. And if I'm Mm -hmm. not growing, then I'm stagnating. And because Mm -hmm. I am a rebel tendency and because I do like to do things kind of in an unorthodox way and I don't like anything rote or, um, or, you know, like I, I love a surprise. I love, Uh I love when, when someone surprises me or something surprises me and it just keeps life playful and fun and magical for me. And so Uh if I'm, if I'm able to constantly grow and evolve and change and learn something new and something else is piquing my interest. Like that to me is the life I want to live. And, and so I can't even say my whole long answer to your question is I didn't methodically plan to do this Mm -hmm. um, at all. I just Mm -hmm. was a mom and I got, I got married and I got knocked up before I was ready. (laughs) And I found myself (laughs) as a 27 year old mother and my, and I had a baby that had what I call a sensitive nervous system. And I didn't know that, you know, babies, I didn't know babies came to you different with different temperaments, really. (laughs) Yeah, Um, right. (laughs) And, um, and he cried (laughs) all the freaking time. And, (laughs) And I couldn't get him to sleep. And I just all of a sudden, I started reading all these books that would have been so, so boring to me at another stage of life. But I just, that's when I kind of started on the whole self-help, learning, personal development without realizing it. I just was looking for answers to get my baby to stop crying and and to be happy. And that's that's what started the whole journey really was mm-hmm. that, you know, I was, I, I became a mom of a, of a kid I couldn't figure out. Mm-hmm. So, so then over time you decided to build a business about it or sort of like, how did you decide 
this was something you wanted to help other people with. Um, this is really good that we're talking about this because I was just thinking the other day that I've never really sat down and written like my <laughs> air quotes origin story. Um, yeah, yeah. I, so I had this kid and now I realize now that I've put the puzzle pieces of my life together after 20 years of, you know, self-help and personal development, um, I had a trauma happen to me when I was a little girl at about mm -hmm. four years old, I think. And mm -hmm. it was a repressed memory. Okay. Mm -hmm. It was a repressed memory. Mm -hmm. It came back mm -hmm. to me in my sleep about 10 years ago. So when mm -hmm. my son was around, he was between, I think, eight and 10 years old. And that's when the mm -hmm. memory came back. But before that, all I knew was that I had chosen to be a stay-at-home mom and I had this mm -hmm. little boy and he was, mm -hmm. he was, he was fine out in the world. I mean, he's delicious, adorable. And I was so in love with him. I didn't know what to do with myself. And he was in a bad mood a lot. And, mm -hmm. um, and there was, and I am, I call myself a recovering fixer. Like I want to, I want to, I want to solve, I want to fix, I want to happy up all my people. And, um, and at the time, like all I knew was that he was mine. He was my baby. He was my little boy and he was grumpy. And I was like dancing like a circus monkey to figure out how to make him happy. And mm -hmm. now I'm not talking spoiling him. I'm talking like, like, does he need more sleep? What's going, is he sick a lot? Like, I mean, I, I was a sleep Nazi and I was then went the nutrition mm -hmm. route. And then, um, he was sensitive. Like I, when he was three, I had to cut out all the tags from his shirts cause they were all itching him. And then I realized, and then we took a parenting class when he was three and a half. And I was like, I learned some other strategies and tools that helped him to feel safer in the world and to kind of feel more stable. And his mood seemed to lift. Um, but I was constantly on this quest to happy him up. And, um, and so, and then when he was three, I had a sister and, um, and then life got a little more complicated because now I've got two. And, um, and then I just volunteered, like he would come home from school and he was fine at school. But when he would come home, he was just angry. Like there was any mm -hmm. little thing could set him off. And I just felt like mm -hmm. we were kind of walking on eggshells around him. And, mm -hmm. um, and my husband, you know, my husband would like come home from work and he would be like, what, you know, he would be short fused. And, um, and then I would be a bully to my husband cause I was strong personality and my dad had had a bad temper. And I was like, um, we are not doing it that way. Then I would be the bully to my mm -hmm. husband. So anyway, <laughs> it was just kind of, it was a functioning shit show. And uh, mm -hmm. uh, am I allowed to use curse words mm -hmm. on your podcast? Um, oh yeah, that's fine. Okay. And, um, and so I volunteer a lot. At, I started volunteering kind of a lot at school, like in the classroom, getting to know his teachers, um, worshiping teachers, like they were his daytime mommies. And, and I have mm. a, like, I have such a love for for teachers and, and over the mm -hmm. years, 98% of my kids' teachers have been unbelievable human beings. And, and so mm -hmm. I was just, you know, I kind of felt like I need to figure out what's going on during his day so that when he comes home and I receive him, like, you know, maybe that's a piece of the puzzle to figure out. And so mm -hmm. I, um, and so I started volunteering a lot at school. And when he was about eight, he I moved him to a private school because I thought, well, maybe 
he needs a smaller teacher to student ratio. Um, maybe he doesn't feel like he's getting enough attention during the day. Maybe he's frustrated. And then when he comes home, all that frustration comes out. Like maybe that's it. So I moved him to a, to a private school. I, it was like right after the year had started. So there weren't a lot of options and there was a private school near my house and it was, a, you know, we're Jewish and it was a Jewish day school. And a lot of my friends had kids there and they were like, oh, it's great. It's great. And so when I moved him there, he would come home and he's like, the teachers? And he had been this fabulous public school um, uh -huh. with amazing. And he was like, the teachers are kind of mean. And I was like, somebody mean to you? What are you talking about? You know, I'm yeah. Beverly, like, totally Mama like Bear. Beverly Goldberg. Um, and he was like, and he was like, they're not really mean to me. They just yell a lot. And, um, and so, and, you know, sensitive kids that are like neurodiverse and, and have a sensitive nervous mm -hmm. system or anybody who's familiar with the term HSP, highly sensitive people, mm -hmm. um, you mm -hmm. know, you, you, even if someone's not yelling at you, if there's that kind of tension around you, you take it in and you absorb yeah. it. And so, mm -hmm. um, so I called the principal and I was like, you know, I was the new mom at the school and I was like, what the hell is going on? And she mm -hmm. was like, um, actually, we're going to train our teachers in this new program. It's this classroom management program. It's called conscious discipline. And this is my son's now a junior in college. And this was when he was in third, he had just started third grade. And so mm -hmm. it's a long time ago. And, um, and so, mm -hmm. he, you know, she was just thinking, uh, you know, you know, as an ex-principal, she was like, ugh, helicopter mom, you know, like, yeah. like this yeah. lady is going to drive me nuts. And so she gave, so she was like, well, maybe you want to be our, our, our teacher, our parent liaison and learn about conscious mm. discipline. And, um, uh, and she didn't know that I was like on this, you know, manic hunt of research mm -hmm. for however many years. So anyway, I became like the resident expert on conscious discipline. Mm. I went to all these trainings and it was before really conscious parents, like Dr. Shafali wasn't around yet. So mm -hmm, conscious mm -hmm. parenting wasn't a thing and it was this program for teachers. And the minute I started learning about conscious discipline, I, it changed my life. It started teaching me about the brain and what's going on biochemically mm. in our bodies. And, um, and I just, it just, it just changed everything. And so, um, and so that's really how I got into what I do now because I learned all about conscious discipline. And then I started kind of behind the scenes training the teachers and teaching them conscious discipline. And then I turned it into a parenting program. And, um, and I just started kind of teaching that on the side because it was, I was just so passionate about it. I had to I had to share what I was learning and what was working in my household and transforming my family with other people. And so that's, that's really how it all started. What were some of the like tangible uh, practices or lessons or things that you learned from the um, training that you brought into your home? So, um, so conscious discipline is a social emotional program and the mm -hmm. big thing. Is it still big, around? Oh, it is. And it's like, there's a podcast, there's a conscious discipline podcast, which is really geared for teachers, yeah. but I just like, I can't get enough of it. I love it so much. Yeah. Um, great. Great. Lots, lots of empathy. Um, but the big part of it, and it's really geared for these strong willed kids who, you know, mm -hmm. society don't, doesn't typically understand. And it's basically like, mm -hmm. um, 
kids, it's what Dr. Ross Green says, kids do well if they can. Like if a child, mm -hmm. however they're behaving mm -hmm. is how they feel on mm -hmm. the inside. So when we mm -hmm. handle them according to the old school, you know, punitive model, we miss the boat. And these kids, um, mm -hmm. nobody's helping yeah. them. They're, they're acting out yeah. because they're screaming, help me, help me, help me. My kid was coming home from school in a bad mood because he was like, my system and body is taxed and overstimulated and I need you mm -hmm. to help me learn some better coping yeah. skills to decompress and calm my body down. Yeah. And, yeah. and so, and so, um, and so if I would have constantly been like, you know, you are so much bigger than your sister. Stop that enough. Mm -hmm. You will not speak to, you know, if I went that mm -hmm. route, which is what comes online for most of us, because most of us, that's how we were raised. Um, that would have just missed the boat. And then I would have just had a kid who was even more frustrated and more upset. So conscious discipline is for an adult to, to help a child, first and foremost, you have to manage your own brain. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like self-care. Yeah. Put your own mask on first. Yeah. Right. I mean, you, you, there's no right. way right. if you're in a right. triggered moment, there is no right. way you're going to be able to help this child with, with his or her problem. And, mm -hmm. and so conscious discipline is a lot about what's going, what's being triggered for you, what's going on in your brain. Let's, mm -hmm. they, they teach the star method, which is, um, which is smile, take a deep breath and relax, which mm -hmm. is the second you're triggered. And so what I would do, mm -hmm. like, I'll tell you an example. So I used to, I have a punctuality disorder, um, like like constantly running five minutes late. Right. And <laughs> I mean, and so when my kids were little, like in the morning before school, I was just like, like I wouldn't get my shit together. And then it was all of a sudden I'd look at the clock and I was like, damn it. And so it'd be time to walk out the door and I'd be like, you guys come on, come on. Mm. And then I would make <laughs> them nuts. And um, I would make them nuts and we would start this whole day in that way. Like I think a lot of people can relate. And, yeah. um, and so what I started doing was like, I would, I would feel myself starting to get triggered. I'd look at the clock and I would manage my own mind and I would say, okay, you didn't get your stuff together this morning. Tomorrow will be a new opportunity. Like I'd, I'd talk myself off a ledge. I'd take a deep breath so that I'd be able to actually do that. And then mm -hmm. I would say to myself, like I'd have a mantra and my mantras for some mm -hmm. reason are usually morbid because I, it keeps me in check. And I would say, no one ever died because they were late to flipping preschool. Like, right. I would be like, right. Nobody nobody's going to die if they're five right. minutes late to preschool. Nobody's going to die if they're five minutes late to preschool. Nobody's going to die. And I would say that right. to myself. And then it was like, so then I stopped running late because the next day I would be, I would remember and I would say, yeah. okay, I'm not going to be a nut job this morning, today. I'm going to get it together earlier. I need to stop mm -hmm. doing this thing right now. Cause I'm mm -hmm. not going to, I'm being an over ambitious planner and I'm not, I'm not controlling my time and I got to get it together. And, and it mm -hmm. helped me to start changing my own patterns by mm -hmm. not just going into mm -hmm. like lunatic mode. Mm -hmm. so. It's so I, just for people who are listening, who've been studying um, the Ayurvedic model with me, if you can really hear into the, the doshic energies, right? So what Randy just said was, and actually, Randy, I think we talked about this with your, mm -hmm. with your community when I talked about Milo meeting the fire with fire, right? Same thing. Like mm -hmm. I, we just, our stories are very similar in our sons. And so 
when I was meeting Milo, his pitta with my pitta, it mm-hmm. was like fire and fire. It was just not, I was not able to absorb his fire or his mm-hmm. anger or his frustration. I was meeting it because that was building and I was mirroring him. So once I learned to drop into the kapha, into the slow, steady, earthy, then I could really absorb his fire and it was a softer place for him to land. The mm. other point I want to, I just want listeners who study this Ayurvedic model with me, listen to what Randy just said about her vata. So that vata morning, all of the women who are suffering, I love what you call it, what is it, a punctuality disorder. <laughs> um, that is just a buildup of vata, that's movement, but that's when you lose track of time, you're doing too many things, you're moving, moving, moving. And then once you realize you're sort of out of the time or out of time, you start to gather the winds like everybody else. And it kind of mixes with the pizza. And then you're like, come on. And mm-hmm. other people are like, wait, we're not at the same energetic level. So what you just said about building in the habit of like two things. One is just the mantra of reality, which is, this is, is this really important? Like, is this really important that I'm on time or not on time, like just kind of stepping back, am I going to die or the kid's going to die, right? Like Mm -hmm. be in reality. And then also setting that intention to have some kind of like a morning routine for your family when you know that the state, you have to be at the same place every day. Like that's kapha. That is kapha Mm -hmm. in action. Like I get up the same time-ish, like within a half an hour time frame every day, before the kids to do all the things I want to do so that when they come down, I can absorb them. I can be with them and I can keep them at that pace that works so that I don't have to get in a Vata wind frenzy or a storm frenzy. And so I love, I just wanted to point out because it's so clear when we sort of use this language of doshic energy to see our lives, we can just build in really practical strategies that Mm -hmm. are usually kind of simple and free um, to help us feel better and feel more of that harmony. In Ayurveda, we would also say, it, it's just what you said. It feels good to take care of our kids and meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just feels so empowering and you feel so, I don't know, in my experience, I just feel like my love for them can shine through when I'm actually seeing who they are and what they need. And when I can't see that or I'm not doing that, it's so painful. I don't like who I become. I don't like mm-hmm. the anger or the frustration or the like hit it, like just the buildup. So mm-hmm. from a, an Ayurvedic, a Dharmic perspective, like that's true nature, right? Like mm-hmm. we want to be in loving, connected relationships. That's what we're wired for. Mm-hmm. Like that's what, that's what brings harmony and ease and health in ourselves and in others. So I just love the reality of what you just said with meeting it like in terms of, again, this holistic framework that's ever present. (laughs) Well, I love that you just tied that together because, you know, back in the day, I mean, I didn't find yoga um, until, I don't know. I mean, maybe I've been doing yoga, maybe I've been doing yoga for seven years or so. And so Mm -hmm. I... I didn't even know Ujjayi breath. Like I didn't even, I didn't know all, I mean, all of the amazing components of yoga that I have learned and I've brought into my life and, and really finding exact everything that you're talking about had, it just enhances everything that I was already doing, but it also 
creates this framework that just makes it all make sense. I was like, when I, I mean, in yoga, after yoga, I was like, okay, now I understand why taking those three deep breaths and controlling my mind and putting, you know, like a mantra in my mind. Now I know why that worked. Like there was, mm. you know, there, there is science behind all of this and totally, you know, and, and, and even, even now, you know, now I've taken it to a level where, um, where I understand and by no means am I a teacher of yoga or, um, <laughs> And I mean, An I mean expert. <laughs> there's nothing. I am a student, a hundred percent. I love going to it. I love Me learning too. from people like you. <laughs> um, but even in terms of the chakras, um, yeah. like yeah. even in terms of the chakras, like <clears throat> now it's like when I do EFT tapping and for anyone that doesn't know what that is, look it up because it's amazing. Um, when I mm -hmm. do EFT tapping, like I feel the release of old blocked stored stuff energy in my body. Like mm -hmm. I can now feel that leaving. And I'm like, okay, this is just stuff that I wouldn't have believed at another time in my life. I would have thought that it sounded like cook-a-doodle-doo. Mm -hmm. And now I'm experiencing mm -hmm. it. And I'm like, okay, I, I have to tell people about it because this shit yeah. works, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And the good news is we have science to back it up, but you don't necessarily need it when you have the experiences, yeah. you know, when you can feel it in your own life. Okay, so let's fast forward to our meeting two and a half years ago because I want to talk about your book and what led you to write your book. So we met because we shared the same mentor for the book writing process um, and had the pleasure of being together for a weekend to talk about all things really marketing and business behind the book. Um, but what is your, what brought you to writing the book and what was the process of that? Like, especially in your own parenting, how did that feel? Um, you know, I mean, it's like what I said kind of at the beginning, I, I can't always figure out the method to my madness. Like I should yeah. have more strategy. <laughs> um, I love, I love why? You don't Never need it. <laughs> well, yeah. because I suck at marketing. Um, no, I, but it's like, I, I can tell when I'm in process and I'm like, Oh, what's, how's this going to turn out? All I know is that I got, I got this just, I don't know. It was like, I started writing, I started writing first blog posts and I started writing articles and I loved it. And I mean, mm -hmm. when I was like, literally like 44 years old, I, I, my big joke is that it was the first time I ever experienced a state of flow that wasn't drug induced in my life. Yeah. Like, <laughs> like I would sit down and I would lose track of time writing these articles for my business, yeah. just like, a news, like a newsletter. And I would just, it was like, it just was fun. And it was just, you know, I don't know. It was just fun. And, and I have a brother, I have a super smart, creative brother that I worship. And he's, he's like this wordsmith and he's like this amazing creative guy. And he's the writer, you know, how like kids yeah, get categorized right, totally. in families. Like, you yeah. know, like, like I yeah. was like, like the friendly, pretty one that made friends easily, you know? And he was like, yeah. you know, he was like the artistic, right. the artistic wordsmith. And so, um, so when I sat down and started writing, I experienced that state of flow and it was awesome. And then I just started feeling like 
I think I'm supposed to write a book. Like, I think I'm supposed to write a book. And I was, I was launching my business in a way where I, um, I had gone, I had taken a break from teaching the parenting classes and I knew I was incorporating other things besides just the conscious discipline kind of foundation. I went and I did a Martha Beck coaching program for almost a year and I learned all kinds of cool tricks and tips and that was an amazing experience. And I knew it was just time to marry it all together. And I think I just, it was like, I think I'm supposed to write a book. And I literally, it's the only big secret I've ever kept from my husband. Um, I did not tell him that I signed up with our mentor. I didn't because I knew I needed some handholding and some accountability just to kind of keep me on track and just to help me kind of like get mm-hmm. it completed. Um, like mm-hmm. here's here because I'm not I'm not a systems person. Like I am good yeah. at following <laughs> systems, but like don't ask yeah. me to come up with a system. So I knew I needed to learn a system to get the thing done. And so, yeah. um, and I'm pretty big quick start. So I, I, I'm not risk averse and I have a husband who's very risk averse. And so mm. I, I literally called my sister-in-law and, oh, and at the time, you know, so like I, didn't really have my own business. So I didn't really have like a separate money. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I called my sister-in-law who happens to also be my best friend. I grew up and married my best friend's brother. And, um, and oh, so, so cute. yeah, so I married my mm. best friend's brother and they worked together and, um, and she like had a job, and so she has her own money and everything. So I called her. I'm like, so here's the deal. I think I'm supposed to write this book. And, um, and like, I want to hire this lady that's got this whole process. that's going to help me get it accomplished. And, um, it's kind of a lot of money and she's like, okay, well, let's do it. And I'm like, but I don't want your brother mm. to know because he'll like squash it and he'll tell me that like I'm getting taken and it's, it's you know, I, I, he, he's going to try and talk me out of it. And so I don't want to tell him. And so she's like, mm. so we're not, she's like, so we're not telling him. And, and so I, and so I, so I made a promise. I, I told my daughter also, my daughter's now 17. Mm. So she was 15 at the time. Mm-hmm. And I told my daughter and, um, and it took, and I said, I decided that I wasn't going to tell him until I had paid my sister-in-law back. And so basically I wrote the book and I paid her back. And so it was a six month secret. Um, Mm -hmm. he knew I was writing the book. He just didn't really know. He didn't know much about it. He just knew I kept like holding up and like writing the book. And, um, and so anyway, so yeah, so after six months I, I came clean. And I told him, what do you say? He said, I'm so glad you didn't tell me. (laughs) He he was like, he was like, I'm so glad you didn't tell me. And I'm so glad you didn't tell me till, cause he's also, Mm. he hates any debt. And so, um, he said it was a smart move on your part because, and now, and you know, and it's funny because he ended up, um, the final edits and I did like a rewrite when I went to the other publisher, um, Mm-hmm. He, my husband is, I'm not a detail, we're yin and yang. And so I'm not a detail person. He is like, he was my, my final proofreader, proofreader, proofreader. Mm. And I've had so many people that people that have said to me, like, there are no typos in your book. And mm. I'm like, God bless Scott Rubenstein, because for him not being on board and me keeping it a secret, I have to say he has read my book more than any other person, including me. 
Um, mm -hmm. He's, he's mm -hmm. so proud of it um, mm. and, and so supportive of it and just, um, and thinks it was a smart idea that I didn't tell him about it because he does, he would have, he would have squashed it. He would have tried to squash mm. it. Uh -huh. anyway. So fascinating. And obviously you're glad you did it. What did it bring besides like tangibles, like money and holding it and teaching from it? Was there anything else like psycho-spiritual that the process brought to your life? It brought so much to my life. I mean, for, I thought of myself for many years as a quitter. Um, yeah. so, so, you know, and it's really just my ability to switch gears. Like I, I can't live in complacency. I could never be like in a bad marriage or I mean, it, you know, mm -hmm. they're, they're just over the yeah. year. They were, I mean, job, job didn't work. I was like, I'm out of here. A class, I, mm -hmm. I'm done. But I really mm -hmm. had a lot of shame about that because I felt like it made me a quitter. And the book, I think, really helped me to see, no, no, no. When it's something big, when it feels like it's something bigger than myself and it's something mm. that I know is going to be generous and truly help other people, there's no quitting. No, mm -hmm. we're, not, we're mm -hmm. not quitting things. We're, we're sticking with the important stuff and we're helping people. And so um, I think, it, I think it, it was the first time I think I felt like really like, like I'm a grown up and I did this and it feels good and generous and, um, mm. and it was just meant to be. Yeah. Oh, I love it. Um, okay. So who come, who are the parents that mostly come to you and what do they come for? Do you see any, what are the patterns of your clients? Everyone has a strong willed kid. Everyone has an Alec, um, mm. or, you know, everyone mm -hmm. be, and this is the reason why, because it's, you know, it's kind of like when you're like, it's like a person who doesn't eat healthy or work out and you're like, you know, like those people that are like super skinny and they're like, Oh, I should work out. I should eat healthier. Mm -hmm. And then they're mm -hmm. like just eating cheeseburgers and not working out. Mm -hmm. And, um, but then all of a sudden they find out that they've like got high cholesterol or, you know, something goes out of whack mm -hmm. with their metabolism and they mm -hmm. all of a sudden like gain 30 pounds. And then all of a sudden there's a fire under them to do, to eat healthy and work out. So when, so I think it's the same thing with parenting. It's like, Oh, I should take a parenting class. Oh yeah, I should do it. Oh, I'm going to raise my kids differently. But unless you've got a fire under you, mm -hmm. like a strong willed mm -hmm. kid fire, which is like, Oh, those old tactics, they're not going to work with me because I'm so mm. strong willed. All I'm going to do is dig my heels in more. And, um, and so you better go figure out some different way of doing this because those old school tactics don't work with me. Those are, that's my population. It's like, we're given this beautiful fire that propels us to go and expend the energy, learning the things that we, we wanted to want to do, but we just never made the time for it. But now that we've got this kid here lighting the fire, we're willing to do it. Mm -hmm. And then we find out that the entire wow. family, everyone changes because of it. Everyone. Mm -hmm. And so then your strong-willed kid that you maybe before were like, oh my gosh, why is this kid so difficult? Why are they making my life so difficult? Once you go through the process of learning this new conversation that feels so much better for everyone, you're like, thank goodness I was blessed with this strong will change agent. 
you know, or, yeah. or I, yeah. I, I never would have done it. So that's, that's my population. There's so much that parenting teaches us about our own wounds and traumas and habits and autopilots and like ways of being that I think, I know it's cliche that like our kids are our biggest teachers, but it's true, at least in my experience, mm, like, and 100%. having kids who are different and just kind of evolving with them and growing with them and seeing like there's stuff that comes up and I'm like, Oh, I didn't even, this was not on my mm -hmm. radar as a challenge or an issue, but here I am, you know, being human and saying this thing or doing this thing. And so I think also if you are of seeker soul, right. And, and conscious spirit, and you want to be awake, that parenting just brings so much richness to the experience of growing and evolving. Oh, a hundred percent. It's like parenting is like self-help on steroids. I mean, when you, when you're not scared of it and you just allow, yeah, right. Um, right. You know, it's just, it is, you face yourself over and over and over again. And even yeah. when, and I'm so good at bullshitting myself, like over the years, I like could convince myself of anything. And, yeah. and it, the best was when my daughter, who's now a junior in high school, when she started middle school, I mean, I had been teaching conscious parenting classes for years. I don't call what I teach anymore conscious parenting. I now have my own method and I call it mastermind parenting because um, mm, I think it's okay. truly all about adults mastering your mind to be able to be the parent mm -hmm. you want to be. Um, Mm -hmm. But when she started, I had been teaching, you know, I've been this little, you know, conscious discipline educator with the teachers and teaching the parenting classes. And I was a little like, yeah, I got this. Mm -hmm. I got it, you know, and, and, and my older son, he was, he was in a good place. And my daughter, she just has been, um, just the world has worked for, I say the world works for Avery. She just kind of was born and. Um, yeah. and just easy, just easy yeah. and, and, and delightful and just nothing but just, you know, easy. And, um, and so then all of a sudden she started middle school and the, she walks out of a volleyball game and the head's down and she tells me about some girl who said something, you know, jerky on the court to mm -hmm. her. And, um, and I like this words that flew out of my mouth. I was like, well, you know what, if she does that again, why don't you tell her like all of a sudden it yeah. was like sassafras yeah. mom. And she looked at me like, like she cocked her head, like a confused puppy. And she was like, yeah. wait, wait, you think I should be sarcastic and rude? Like, <laughs> And then I was like, um, no, I, I, and then I was sitting there going, I can't think clearly, like what just came up for me? Um, yeah. and so it was just, yeah. even, even that was like, I was like, okay, who knew that I still had girl world drama somewhere in my brain that was an old wound that had totally. fully, like I would have told anyone, I don't care what people think of me. I'm fine. I'm good. Oh, I wasn't invited to that. 40th birthday party. Okay. And then all of a sudden I'm being triggered when stuff's happening to my daughter. And I was like, okay, guess I'm not quite as good as I, th I think there's some work to do there. 
So um, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that every like stage of parenting, that's what it lends to, right? Because we learn, we think we've got it. It's exactly what you're saying. And then we hit a new stage where something is like undigested, like not resolved or digested or healed in us from mm-hmm. that stage. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then there it comes again. So that's what I think. If you are awake and consider yourself spiritually inclined, instead of an opportunity for using critic to beat you up and mentally abuse yourself, it's a real opportunity for depth of learning and growing and evolving in a way where it's just more, it's like curiosity again, like more Mm. experiments, more experiences. Like how can I be curious about this, this feeling I'm having around, around um, something that's happening with my kiddos, you know? Well, let me tell you, and this is, you know, I'm a big person of a a lot of what I talk about is having productive conversations and, Mm -hmm. um, and replacing like old school lectures and with having Mm -hmm. truly productive conversations. And so, um, and so when we have a situation like that, where we get to see, we get, we get to face ourselves and we get to get curious, what the heck is being brought up here for me? Um, like that turned into one of the most meaningful and impactful conversations I've ever had with my daughter because Mm -hmm. the next day I got to go back and revisit it and say to her, Mm -hmm. um, gosh, you know, yesterday when that happened, I have a good friend, Tracy, who's a therapist. I said, you know, I was like feeling nutso and I totally told you the wrong thing to do. And she's like, yeah, I wasn't going to do that. (laughs) And I said, well, (laughs) I said, I talked to Tracy about it and, you know, Tracy gave me some good pointers. But the thing is, is that, you know, I was able to say like, I was totally triggered and it took me back to what happened when I was, you know, in the tween and teen years. And it's so, isn't that so interesting how, like how the brain works and what came up for me and, and we just had this like amazing conversation where it was like, you know, nobody has to be perfect here. We get to all screw up and then we get to yeah. come back and, and learn from it and be like, and she was like, she, we were laughing about it. I was like, what was that? She was like, oh, I don't know, but I was kind of like, who are you and where's my mom? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, you know, it's kind of, it's fun because when those things come up and you're exactly right, instead of doing the whole what was I thinking? I'm such an idiot. That negative inner chatter to be like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to talk to my kid about this and to say, what was going on in my brain? How did, you know, like such an invitation. And like the whole idea that we could keep asking ourselves that question, like how, like, what am I learning today? Or how, like, how are they teaching me? Or what insights, like that, those living in the questions is just, it's just so freeing because then I don't have to be under like some identity or this whole perfectionism thing, which I don't even know what that is or like what the definition would even be. But Mm -hmm. if I don't want my daughter to grow up shaming herself for who she is, then I can't do that either. Right. That's right. That's right. And it's, um, (sighs) yeah, it's really powerful when, when you're learning alongside your kids in real time, it just changes the dynamic, I think, between parents and kids because we're, yeah. I mean, it's really, it's, you know, we're a family. We're just like a bunch of people who love each other, who are connected, who are going to make mistakes over and over and over again. And it's okay. We get to 
we get to love each other through it. You know, there's yeah. no, there's yeah. no perfection model here. We're just humans having a human experience. And that and whole, totally mm -hmm. that whole, like, am I doing the best I can, especially with the LD stuff? I think with like all of Taylor's like, mm -hmm. like challenge, like learning differences at school is that I just try to remind myself, like I, and ask myself, like, are you doing the best you can with the information you have? Mm -hmm. And that framing of it has just been awesome because we're sort of changing again. Like she's going through another phase. It's heartbreaking Rand where some of the kids in her class are making fun of her and saying mm. that dyslexia is conti it's contagious. So don't mm. get it from sailor. Mm. Okay. So there's mm. this whole thing. And so she came home this week and we started talking about it. And, you know, we talked about the label quote unquote, as like, it could be seen as a power, you're right. Your superpower, or it could be mm -hmm. seen as really dangerous. Other people could make you feel labeled and different. So, we're, we don't have answers right now. We're literally in it where I said to Mel last night, because he is the primary parent who also has this, this difference. Hey, mm -hmm. if we decide to stop using the D word in our house and just take it away for a year or so and see how she feels, does that take away from your identity? <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because you, I, you identify as dyslexic and you say it's why you're so awesome at detail oriented and in your mm -hmm. work and so successful, right? So like, it's complicated, it's layered, but I know that going at it from like my current level of understanding, my current level of understanding three years ago was that I really wanted her to feel empowered by the language. I wanted her not to see it as something to hide from or be shamed of or never talk about. And so mm -hmm. we, we made a conscious effort to use the language. Now the school doesn't use that language because mm -hmm. they don't want kids to feel labeled. Mm -hmm. So right now there's not an answer. We're just having this conversation. And I just want people to hear that Again, the space, this is why the having your own mask or your own self-care practices or your own soul girlfriend that you can, like when stuff happens with my family, like I'll text Randy and be like, is mm -hmm. this normal? You know, is this okay? Mm -hmm. um, having these people that you can be real with as you go through it and not having, the other thing I think, do you have clients? I mean, I see this all the time who feel like they have to know the answer with a period right now. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. It's like, this yeah. is the way, or this is the solution. And I need to know it now. And I think it's more fluid than that. It, it's like, well, this is what we think right now. And let's give it a little space and let's revisit with the, what do you call your conversations? I call it the Did productive. Did you just say a name? Yeah. The productive yeah. conversation, having productive conversations. And I'll tell you yeah. really the, the majority of having a productive conversation of what I teach is it's all about knowing how to do empathy um, like yeah. the real way and, um, and, and not sound like a therapist, even though we all love therapists and it feels really good when someone's like, but how does that make you feel? And then you have this whole open platform to like, be like, really, you want yeah. to hear from me? But with our kids, yeah. I think it's important, um, not to sound like a therapist because they like, it will feel inauthentic to them and contrived. So when you do empathy the right way with your kids, I would just say, you want to let them know I'm here in it with you. Like, yeah. like I'm in it with you and I am not going to try and solve and fix and happy up yeah. anything here. Like you, these kids are acting like creeps to you at school and that freaking sucks. It does. Mm -hmm. It sucks. Yeah. No one wants to feel other. It is it yeah. goes against our primal wiring for love and belonging and it feels right. <laughs> terrible 
It feels yeah. terrible. And, and she's old enough that mommy can't come and, and cause a big scene at school because then she'll just feel other in that she's the kid who's the snitch. And, yeah. and you know, so then we've got the nuances of, of that whole social piece. So it's like, how do we show up for them during these moments when there's kids making fun of you at school? And, yeah. it, and, and it freaking sucks. You know, and we've, we've done it all. Like this is your superpower and you even have a daddy modeling how he believes it's his superpower. And, and this is all this beautiful language and that's great. And when she comes home after a day feeling other and being teased and it, it feels like shit, it does. Mm. It just does, yeah. you know? And so, and yeah. so the, and so the, the hard part is, is that I mean, this is the hardest thing I think for most of us is, is knowing how to sit and, and hold space and listen yeah, yeah, and, yeah. um, and just be like, I, I'm walking in your shoes. I see your perspective. And yeah. this, this is, this is a suck. It's exactly the way you started it, which was we're in a new time and this is what's going yeah. on. And I don't know how yeah. we're going to handle it yet, but we're in the thick of it. I see you. I hear you. I mm -hmm. love you. Right. <laughs> and that's why I'm so glad I have a journal because my, I just go right to my journal because, you know, 10 year old Pleasance, the new girl with the weird name who is so tall and so mm -hmm. hairy that no one wanted <laughs> to be friends with. Like she's inside of me. And mm -hmm. so if people say, you know, sailors dyslexia is contagious, they were saying Pleasance is, you know, has cooties are contagious or whatever. Mm -hmm. They're like annoying. So I'm the, my journaling practice and for people who are developing it, I just did a podcast episode about journaling because so many people are really into um, trying to develop it is like, that's what I go to, to heal my own stuff. So I'm not bringing it to that conversation with say, you know? So it's so Ugh. powerful and important and helps to keep you clean and clear so yeah, that when yeah. she does come to you and you can be like, what the hell yeah. is wrong with those kids? That's terrible. Yeah. Like, who does that? Yeah. You know what? As yeah, right. my, 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 son, my youngest son, this is one of his fa famous sayings. He's like, he's just such a little, delicious, kind human. And he, even at 12 and a half, and he will look mm. when, somebody, when somebody's jerky and he's telling me about it later and he's venting, he'll, he'll look at me and he'll go, who says that? You know, like, <laughs> I love it. Yeah, right. Who does like, that? I like, love who that. are these people? And I'm oh like, oh my I, God. And then I'll just say, I'm like, I know, right? Like, what is, the, what is up with that? You know? And it's just right. like, and not we, getting all yeah. entangled. Yep. yep. Not getting all entangled um, and just being like, you know, like, like, really, like, 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 how are people, like, really? Really? <laughs> You know, and then you just are like, okay, at least I'm not the only one feeling this way. All right. We just vented totally. about it. Now, now we can move on. Right. And I know the boy who keeps saying it just has had a crush on her for so many years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, there's all that. So we mm -hmm. got to leave that. <laughs> oh, and the, if you, and if, when she's in the middle of, of being like, and they're making fun of me and this, that, and the other. And if you go to that place of trying to like, you know, explain it away 
and change yeah. for thinking about it before you've yeah. really, really empathized. You're like, listen, I know he's had a crush on you. She'll, she'll be like, mom, yeah. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Right. He thinks I'm weird. Right. They think it's contagious. Right. Like she'll right, turn right. on you if you <laughs> totally. <offer that>. Yeah. <laughs> mm hmm You know, just thinking out loud, that's never actually happened. <laughs> totally <laughs> happened. Um, and she does get mad. Um, okay, so we have to close this conversation because I have to go get my kids. But I have yeah. a bunch of other things. Will you come back in 2019 and chat with me about raising boys and sons? Mm -hmm. Yep. I want to I talk about the boys, the dads, the sons, um, mm -hmm. and we. I also want to talk about the wounds of our own mothers and motherhood, and like how that thread pulls through. So those are two topics that I want to have other um, episodes on because we did so much awesome, like foundational. Would you come mm -hmm. back? And you have your own podcast where you talk about these things. So. Give us all your plugs. Where can people find you? Your book, your podcast, your website. Um, okay. So, um, first of all, thank you for having me. I could talk to you all day long. And of course, I know. yes. <laughs> I mean, I, I, yes, I'm coming back in 2019. We'll talk about everything. I'll come back as much as you want me to. Um, people can find me at uh, Mastermind Parenting Podcast. That's who I am on iTunes and I put a new podcast okay. out every week and I think I'm up to like maybe 38 episodes or so. Um, Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, my website is randyrubenstein.com. That's R-A-N-D-I-R-U-B-E-N-S-T-E-I-N.com. And um, you can go and I have articles and blog posts and free gifts and you can sign up if you want to get my weekly parenting report um, where I send out all kinds of resources and links to my podcast. But um, yeah, I've, I've loved being here talking to you. I just love you. I love you. And P.S., you are great at marketing. Your the business model and brand and watching it evolve is awesome and so clear. And Thank it's you. wonderful. So own Thank that you. girl. You really evolved and learned and put stuff in practice. So I love it. Thank I love you, you Mandy. Thank you love so you. much for the work that you do in the world. I really, really appreciate your style and your heart. And I think it's so important for parents to have this kind of support. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Pleasance. Love you to pieces. Talk to you Love soon. Love you. Bye. Okay. Bye-bye.